San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK Show. On the show today we're going to be looking at the upcoming matchup against the Steelers in the season's home opener at Levi's. And I'm happy to say today we have the return of Brian as my co-host. Welcome back Brian. Thank you very much. Hello everyone. How are we doing? So I don't know if you picked up but on Monday's podcast, the um, the Bengals review, after I'd listened to it again, I thought, you know what? I sounded way too excited when I said, God, Brian's back on Friday. <laughs> when I was thinking about the guest, so I was thinking, how do I introduce you? Because I don't want to give you that uh, feeling as though you're welcome back. I want you on your ear game as though you have to prove something. Oh, but I thought, no, I won't go with that. <laughs> so... What have you been up to that's kept you away from the mic? And what have you made of the changes since last season? Uh, well, it's been a bit of a busy year this year. Um, uh, well, some of you might know, I'm a committee member at my local non-league team, which is uh, Swindon Supermarine, and that has taken up quite a lot of time these days. I'm travelling across um, the south and southwest of England, home and away, uh, doing all the social media and stuff for the clubs. Uh, for the club. So, it's uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good fun. Um, but we got promoted a couple of seasons ago um, and that, the travelling now is more, much more than what it was in previous seasons. We're sort of travelling down as far as Truro and up to places like Merthyr in Wales and, um, you know, it's it's not quite the, the local jaunts across to Didcot and Sirencester and, and local places like that now. It's uh, it's much more of a sort of uh, encompassing area of, of the south and southwest. So it's, uh, that's a lot of time. Um been on a bit of a fitness campaign as well this year so I've been in the gym three or four nights a week I've uh, been running four or five times a week lost three and a half stone this year um, that's fantastic yeah managed to run a, t- a sub two hour half marathon last weekend in Bristol so uh, yeah it's all paying off I've got another half marathon this weekend um, and I've also been spending a fair bit of time at a couple of other local non-league teams because I've got a couple of friends who I've made through the football club who are now playing um, for some other local uh, football clubs at uh, Sirencester, Fairford and, and Shrivenham, which are just sort of uh, in a nice little triangle around where I live. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a labour of love doing work for a non-league team. But I think if uh, if anyone's ever thought about actually going and helping out at their local club, then they should absolutely try and try, and, even if you're not, not getting actively involved in... Um, making decisions on and on, on the field too much for me, but off the field um, and helping out off the field, then it's, it's more than worthwhile doing. And I get so much more joy and pleasure out of actually helping out a football club exist rather than just being a customer um, at Reading as I was for the last 20 odd years. Um, and as grumpy old gits like you and I, who are Reading and Sunderland who have suffered for so many years now, um, it's nice to actually put something back into a football club and feel part of a football club rather than just sort of, like I say, being a customer on a Saturday afternoon and, and not getting anything out of it. Yeah, I imagine it would be. And to tell you the truth, I mean, over the last um, over the last season when Sunderland got relegated to League One, I have actually rediscovered my love of watching Sunderland play. Right. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, pretty much whenever I post on Facebook now, I'm, I'm generally either at a home game or an away game. Um, yeah. So I'm now going to all the away games with my eldest son. Um, it's a kind of a father-son bonding thing. So yeah. we can both be miserable together when we put in a <laughs> poor performance. Just preparing for the rest of his life. Exactly. That's what my granddad and my uncles did to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's torture, but uh, it's a rite of passage, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what have you made of the off-season changes? It's been decent, hasn't it? It's been pretty good and quite exciting. Um, if we go back all the way to free agency, I think we did pretty well back then, didn't we? I think uh, Kwon was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 I kind of like it. You know, he's a young playmaker, linebacker. He's got potential. I don't think he probably really showed all of that potential down in Tampa Bay. Um, he's played well so far in the, one of the big games that he's been allowed to play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know why he was ejected in week one, but I think 
that is it's a little bit too soft at times than I like another the, the these ejections and things like that I think they'll possibly review those kind of decisions moving forward um and he came with a lot of negative reaction I thought but you know after the couple of games or the game and a bit that he's had I think he's he's looked pretty good so far hasn't he and he looks the kind of kind of lad who's going to be a real leader on defense as well maybe in a similar kind of vein to what Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and those kind of guys have been certainly, you know, playing the same position as well. You'd like to think that that's going to be, you know, a, a leader that he can become in that, in that position. Yeah, he's definitely surprised me with his play in that game and half a quarter. Yeah. Um, Jason Verrett was another one. Um, he came into the league with a hell of a lot of hype, didn't he? When he first came in, he was sort of touted as being one of the next great cornerbacks, but he's... He spent most of his time in treatment room, and he? he's been to the NFL. What Baron Anderton was to Tottenham, I think. It's, it's, yeah. he, he just seems to be uh, constantly injured, doesn't he? But uh, Witherspoon started well as well, and I think if um, if he continues well, then it it's a brilliant depth signing if he can stay fit, um, and possibly at some point they might want to try him in the slot because they've not really seen. Um, too much out of K1 Williams in in the slot. I think he was burnt a couple of times on uh, Sunday. I think he actually gave up five five catches on Sunday. I think in playing slot receiver. So I know he wants to play as an outside receiver. Verrett does, but possibly that's uh, something that we can possibly look at as as a slot receiver moving forward and for the rest of the se- season. And it, it in a sign of how far we we've sort of come. I, I can't even believe I'm, I'm sort of thinking this, let alone sort of going to say it out loud. But he's the kind of guy that you could bring in. And I'm not trying to get too carried away after two and no start, but when he's active and we maybe have another large lead, we can throw him out there for a quarter or even longer. There, I said it. It's out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And I would have thought that this um, Sunday's matchup is potentially one of those games where that might happen. Yeah, quite possibly. So what about well, the draft? What, oh, what sorry. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. Tevin Coleman was a bit of a strange one for me. Yeah, I thought it didn't we had. Really makes sense at the time. I think when you looked at what the stable of the running backs we had, we already had McKinnon, Breeder, Mostert, Wilson Jr., and Juice on the roster. I know Carl's obviously worked with him in the past, so he probably knows him better than anyone else does. But they've obviously identified a hole in what the the current stable of running backs can't do that Coleman can bring to the team. Um, I think he averaged what about. 11, 12 yards of catch last year and nearly five yards of carry. And it's on a pretty good contract. So you can kind of see the positives as to why he's come in. But I think when you look at what production, he, you know, Carl's getting out of the likes of Breeder and Mostert and Wilson, who are undrafted free agents, you, you could kind of question that move, I think, at the, at the time. And possibly you still could. Yeah, I agree. I, I would still question that move. I was quite surprised when it happened in the off season because I thought we had yeah, uh, I was, yeah. of depth. And it kind yeah. of made us think that we're going to try and trade Breeder away and trade him for a draft pick. Um, but that didn't happen. So we, no, we were. Jordan Matthews was another one, wasn't it? Yeah. So we were technically carrying five running backs coming in at the start of the season. But then yeah. McKinnon went on IR again. So that dropped down to four. And now Coleman's out for a. For an extended period of time. Yeah, it possibly tells you that they probably or possibly knew more about McKinnon's injury way back in the free agency period to what they were probably previously letting on as well. Yeah. Um, I know that it, that was quite a late decision in him being injured, wasn't it? But it kind of... The, the signing made sense once McKinnon went down, I suppose. You, you could look at it that way. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jordan Matthews was another one at the time. I think that seemed like a pretty common sense move. Big-bodied wide receiver, good NFL production. Um, I found a stat that 22 of his 26 touchdowns in the NFL came in the red zone, so it, it kind of identified another need there. Um, but then that was kind of short-lived, wasn't it? He was, it was. Cut, yeah, he was cut when the roster was cut down to 53. I think that tells you probably more about the roster that Shanahan and Ninja built that these guys, you know, the type of, these type of guys that we're getting in in free agency are, are getting cut from the roster. Um, although that said, he hasn't signed for anyone yet, has he? So maybe the Dolphins could probably give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> the Dolphins could probably uh, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be able to do something for the Dolphins at the minute. I don't know. 
people. Um, in terms of people we let go, I don't really think we lost that much, did we? Cassius Myers was let go. He's gone to Seattle, I believe. Oh, Mitchell, he's gone to Seattle as well, I think, which is kind of like a trend there, isn't it? As soon as we cut anyone, this has been the way it's been since Pete Carroll arrived up there. Anyone that we cut seems to automatically be picked up in Seattle. So uh, Yeah, so I think Cassius Marsh is actually um, down in Arizona now. So this oh, he's down in Arizona now, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And then Malcolm Smith was let go, and I think the writing was on the wall pretty early for him, wasn't it? He was uh, nowhere near the player he was when he was in Seattle. Hot, loads of injuries, um, some of them which were legacy moves from his original move over, wasn't it? And once K1 came in and, and Greenlaw came in in the draft as well, I think it was he was always going to struggle to make it. And then, what else was there? Josh Garnett or Garnett? Yeah, that was just a complete waste of time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. What a disaster of a draft that was. So outside of the player changes and the off-season, what are your thoughts on the performance in weeks one and two? Um, I think we've looked decent. I mean, Garoppolo's looked okay, I think, in week one. That was a terrible throw for the pick, Yeah. Um, which we've seen now in two games. And I, th- I think that's part of that is... Still a little bit rusty. He's essentially still, in NFL terms, a rookie starting quarterback. Um, and I think we're probably just going to have to live with the fact that he's probably going to make one of those throws every game because of that's who he is. And he's still a young quarterback who's learning his trade at the minute. Um, do people want want that or do people want him to rein it in and become essentially Alex Smith version two? And I think if you're willing to put up with that kind of throw once a game, uh, we saw it also with the we had the interception against uh, well, in week two, didn't we? And also the that ridiculous throw into triple coverage, yeah, um, which was just ridiculous against the Bengals. But he got away with that one. So um, yeah, I think obviously the the loss of Coleman was bad, but it it as we just discussed, I don't think it was that much of a huge loss. Um, Tampa looked like a poor team in week one. They quite possibly might be one of the worst run teams in all of American sports. Um, they just don't seem to ever get it together, do they? That, that, that every sort of four or five years, there's there's a lot of hype. You know, they they, they make some decent free agent signings. They, they, they've got the next best thing at quarterback. You know, they've uh, made changes along the defensive line and they, they've generated a pass rush, but they never seem to be able to put everything on the field together in, in one season. Um, and the only other thing I'd say about that week one game, it did feel a bit like a pre-season game for me. It was a sort of a lot of mistakes. There was a lot of silly penalties. There was a lot of errors, um, penalties and things like that. The way that the whole kind of league looked in week one, I think teams should put a little bit more emphasis and a bit more credibility into at least one of those pre-season games to iron out a lot of what we saw in week one. Because yeah. I did feel like it was watching a generic, not much going on, Nobody seemingly at full tilt, giving a hundred percent preseason game, and I think there seems I think there's more stock in maybe really going for it a bit more in in the week two, week three preseason game. Week four is always going to be all of the backups and everyone fighting for the last couple of places on the roster type guys. But I think that you can shake some of this rust off by playing a little bit longer week two, week three preseason, um, and and just like I say, just trying to make a, a make it look like you're hitting the ground a bit more with with sort of running feet rather than stumbling into week one. You know, I, I, I felt like it was more of a sort of uh, sloppy week one. For, and I don't think it was just us or the Buccaneers. It was sort of, from what I was seeing on Red Zone, it, it like a hell of a lot of teams that a lot of the starting wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs were playing no real time in preseason. And, and that was pretty clear to see in week one across the NFL. And do you think there was a significant improvement come game two? Yeah, game two. I don't think there were any real holes in the team, were there? The, the defensive backs seem to have uh, come up to the next level. The linebackers are out there making plays. The defensive line looks absolutely incredible. Um, Jimmy looks much better week two. He's still got that ability to continue making first downs, keep drives going, convert on third down. The running backs look absolutely out of this world. Um Wide receivers, it's nice to actually have wide receivers who catch the ball rather than being the third or fourth choice all the time. 
um, and they're probably out, out exceeding all of our expectations at the minute. I think the, the O-line have done well. They didn't concede any sacks in week two. So, yeah, Stale is going to be a huge loss. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to make a trade there or not, because not having a second round pick now because of the D Ford trade kind of doesn't hurt us because we've still got D Ford, but it might not be the wisest thing to try and part with our first round pick to get a left tackle. That said, left tackle is one of the most highest priority positions on the field, isn't it? So yeah. it's going to be a bit of trial and error this week with school there at left back, as left back, <laughs> left tackle to, um, kind of see what happens and, and hope that we can get through the week, get into the bye week and kind of see what happens in the, in the bye week as well, whether they'll make a trade or, um, and I'm not thinking sort of like a first round type player, but maybe someone who can be a bit more of a serviceable left tackle. If school doesn't live up to the expectations, if Jimmy takes a batter in Sunday, then they're going to have to do something clearly. But if, if school can keep Jimmy on his feet and the tight ends and the running backs and that can help out, we might be okay. You know, it, it's tough because he's a six-round pick and generally six-round picks are there for a reason. So, you know, the expectation level of that is probably going to be slightly down on, on the week three preview than it would be if Staley was out there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think from what we've seen of Kittle last week, it probably is the best tight end in the league now. And and it wasn't just for his catching and his yards after carry. It was the part, it was the blocking and, and he's set in the edge and, and he's proven that he's in it for the team and not for his own numbers. Like a lot of, you know, the big players are. And I think that's, you know, very selfless play from him. And that sh- just shows to me that he is a team player. And with that in mind, we will probably see him lining up next to school this week and probably through the, the rest of the, the season when Stade is out to help blocking on the line. Yeah, I think that's what sets him aside from the, the other elite wide, uh, wide receivers, tight ends. I think it does. Uh, he's excellent blocking. And like you said, he is selfless. He, he puts his body in the way to make blocks. And even when he's actually receiving the ball, some of the things he does for a tight end, uh, he just ploughs over players. So Yeah. Yeah, to, to me, he is the number one at the moment. Yeah. And the one thing, or one of the other things I absolutely loved about that week one, week two, was the Youngstown stay over. That, that goes back to the, the Jim Harbour days when they did that. I think it was 2011 or 2012, I think it was. Yeah. And I think we went to, I can't remember which way around it was. I think we went to Cleveland and then we went to Philadelphia or we went to Philadelphia and then Cleveland. I can't remember which way around it was now. But... And we won both of the games as well, if I remember correctly. And I think that seemed to motivate the team and bring them closer together. And Youngstown, by all accounts, is the kind of place where even Reuben Foster and Alden Smith can't get into trouble. I think there's like an ice cream shop and that's about it. <laughs> from, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think they've pretty much got the whole week to just have been nothing but buried in the playbooks, going into training, doing weights doing walkthroughs, all that good stuff that you've got where you've got no distractions or, you know, minimal distractions and and just giving everything for the team. And, and I love stuff like that. That's brilliant. And I think we should, it's been proven that that's worked in the past for the team, getting on East Coast um, time into that time zone. So you're not going over there and essentially playing at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. So it's it's something that I think if, if you get a two week road trip again on the Eastern time zone, then they absolutely have to sort of pretty much go and, and make that their their home for the fortnight. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So we head into week three, looking to emulate our best start since 1998 and move to 3 and all before heading into the bye week. Oh, our opponents, yeah, long time. <laughs> Incredible, it was 18. Really long time. <laughs> our opponents this week are the Pittsburgh Steelers, who've experienced the same type of crushing blow that we had last year when we played the Chiefs. So Ben Roethlisberger has been placed on IR for the season and they now need to make it through the majority of the season with a backup quarterback. So the team that's coming into Levi's is a lot different from the team that's been there the last two seasons. They've lost a lot of star players and it's going to be difficult. But having said that, it could be a potential banana skin. So... Which matchups do you think we need to win to come away victorious against the terrible towels? It's uh, 
it's pretty obvious for me and I, I think it's literally going to be and it sounds very very cliche but it's literally going to be in the trenches isn't it I think the key for us is to get into Rudolph's face often and early win that battle of the line of scrimmage and I think we win the game flip that on its head it's exactly the same we need to protect Jimmy G specifically on that left side and I think from what we said or what I said just now we're going to be looking at Kittle blocking we're going to be looking at Juice and their blocking we're going to be looking at the running backs sort of chipping away and going low and just helping out as much as they can on that left-hand side of the line. And I think if we, we keep Jimmy on his feet, we can get in Rudolph's face, then that's going to be where the game is pretty much won and, and lost. If we start struggling uh, and Jimmy starts struggling, then it's going to be a close one, I think. But if we can keep Jimmy on his feet for the majority of the game and play him well, allowing him time to throw the ball and make plays, then I think we're going to win the game. And, yeah, I don't think they're going to be pushovers by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. Like I said, I think it could be banana skin. Um, We could slip up. And they do have a good D-line. Well, at least they've got three decent players on D-line. Yeah. um, Which could cause us issues. Yeah. And having played the kind of the pushover ourselves for so long, um, and until we become, and, and we might be actually be pretty close, the real deal ourselves, I'm not taking any game for granted because it could easily come and bite us in the backside again. Um, and Mason Rudolph, I must be honest, I'd never even heard of him until Sunday. <laughs> no, neither of us. There that. was a time where I could pretty much name every quarterback in the NFL, every backup, probably, I don't want to say every long snapper because I'd be lying if I said that. I, I know, I, I used to know a hell of a lot more than I did about every other team than whereas now I'm pretty much just so focused on our team I don't really spend as much or anywhere near as enough time on looking at everyone else as I do us um, but from the little that I have read he seems like he's quite a highly rated quarterback um, yeah yeah. I mean I have to actually ask uh, Ian Montrose who was the guest on Monday night's show um, who, who the quarterback was for the Steelers <laughs> after Ben had gone off I, I had absolutely no idea what you call the lad that came in. So over the last two games, we've seen a lot of Debo Samuel and I've liked what I've seen. However, do you think we're going to see more of Pettis or has Debo actually already staked his claim to have that starting position? I don't know. Pettis is a strange one, isn't he? I don't quite know what's going on there. Um, He was such a solid or route runner or route runner, whatever you want to call it, last season. I really thought he was going to be a, a sort of breakout candidate for this year. And I just, I don't know, he was in there week two, wasn't he? But they didn't really, I don't think he was targeted, did they? The only play that they had for him was the uh, the throwback across the field. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I'd like to, like to think that he would get back into it, but... I don't know. It's just so much strange going on. I don't know whether there's a there's an issue internally or whether he, he's not, you know, whether he's not putting it in. Um, so I believe he returned to camp out of shape, and Shanahan didn't like that at all because yeah. he hadn't put in any effort away from the organisation, and just turned mm. up as though he, he was going to be the starting wide receiver. And I think that's it. I think there was a little bit of complacency there. Shanahan wanted them to actually win the position based off his player last season and doing some work in the off-season, but that didn't happen. And I think that's yeah. that That was the undertone of the relationship between Shanahan and Pettis at the moment. Yeah. Um, Debo, um, I, I know I haven't covered the draft yet, but I can, I'll probably go back and do that, but he seemed pretty much of a lock as there could be at the top of round two to us, didn't he? There were so many mock drafts that I saw that it was... Uh, you know, it was him that was coming to us at the top of round two. So, he, yeah, again, very highly rated. Um, he started really, really well. I, he's, I love his elusiveness. He's got good yards after catchability. Um, and he's led the team in targets so far. Yeah, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from uh, from Debo so far. So, yeah, I think... I, I'm not, I, I don't want to get too carried away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't been it's to crap easy. for so long. It's yeah, it is easy to get very, very carried away, and uh, just sort of trying to just reel myself in a little bit. You know, it's uh, we've had a long time to be two and zero, and it does look like this is a really good chance of getting to three and zero, with a great chance of being four and zero after the bye weeks. Which, when you start looking at playoff chances, they go up immensely. Three and zero, four and zero, don't they? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that people are still going to say that we aren't good enough. Uh, but at the end of the day, we can only beat what's in front of us and play the schedule, can't you? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've already said have phrases easy, like, Yeah, we have had an easy start to the uh, schedule. And that's what I'm trying yeah. to get across in the um, the season opening podcast to say I do think we'll go 3 4 0 to start the season. But yeah. then I think uh, we'll face quite a few losses after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the running's brutal, isn't it? So, yeah. uh, you know, I've already seen phrases like, oh, we could end up being one of those teams with a better record than we actually are after six or seven weeks, or we might be the worst 2 0 or 3 0 team in recent history. And uh, that, 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 that winds me up. You know, even yeah. when you're winning, you're still getting disrespected by, uh, you know, people who should know better so uh but no, i think a lot of us have been confident about this this you know this team for some time now and it's only it's been a matter of time before things have to turn around for us and yeah when when you've got guys like debo as, as your wide receiver now who's pushing to be a number one receiver just a couple of weeks into his career with someone like pettis who's still got all of that to offer behind him or next to him we we really could go places yeah, the future looks bright. Yeah, it really does. So going back to a player that you've already mentioned, and it's a position where I think it, it could be a weakness, but we don't know because he, he hasn't really played that often um, with him being a rookie, and that, that's Justin Skule. He mm. was a six-round pick out of Vanderbilt. Typically, you see your starting tackles taken high in the first round. So I'm I'm not too much worried, or I'm not even going to speculate on how he's going to play because we don't yeah. know. Sh- Shanahan will have a good idea, which is why he's probably um, trying out a few left tackles. However, the question I've got is, how much do you think this will affect Jimmy going into the game against the Steelers? He doesn't have his normal starting left tackle, who who has been so consistent over his full career with the 49ers. Mm. He's got this rookie who was a sixth round pick. Do you think that's going to? Ch- cause him some mental anxiety it's got to play on his mind a little bit but there's a reason why he's still on in the 53 right and you know that they've obviously seen something there to um, how many times have i seen on on um through this off season before we got to the season where we are now you know we're bringing in um you know an swing tackle from the Dolphins or we're bringing in a swing tackle who was let go by the Texans or whoever it might have been and they've come in and they've gone and they've come in and they've gone Yeah, because school's there and school's come through through the draft he's obviously done enough in all of those rookie camps and in the training camps that they see something there that they can work on and something that they can build on and even this week you know we're, we're getting in I can't remember who it was now but I remember seeing two or three stories that you know we're, we're hosting more tackles in we'll I've not had time to look at the internet today, so I've not seen if we have brought anyone in, but I'm assuming we haven't. So therefore, the confidence in school has got to be high. Therefore, school has got to be going out there really, really confident on Sunday that he can do a job because he's fighting against all of these odds of being a six-round pick still on the team. All of these veterans coming in from various different teams still on the team. Therefore, that tells you that he's doing something right and the the team are seeing what he's doing and are confident in in that. Will it play on Jimmy's mind? Possibly a little bit. Yes. Will will they scheme around to help him out? Absolutely. And and that's what I said earlier. I think you're going to see Kittle in there blocking. You're probably going to see a secondary tight end come in and go across that side. You're going to see the the running backs going across that side and blocking whilst the play is going out to the right. You might see Jimmy bootlegging a bit more and then throwing onto the right side of the of the line and a lot of the, the running plays going off the right side of the run just to try and protect him as much as we can to get through this week, get him another week off with a bye week and see, you know, it's essentially it's, it's, a, it's a job interview for him now, isn't it? Yeah, he, it is he's done definitely. all the preparation. He's done everything he can do to get himself to the job interview. Now he's at the interview stage and now he's got to go out and, and perform the the written test or the the verbal test or you know whatever whatever however you want to look at it he he's now in in the interview chair and he's now got to pass the test to, to yeah. get the job so with that um bye week afterwards then that's the 49ers period of assessing do they give him the job yes they yes they do or actually something's gone wrong here this has happened that's happened i'm not going to speculate because i don't want it to happen so we need to do 
through X, Y, Z or ABC to get to, you know, where we want to be. And I think whether we're three and zero or two and one, we'll make a, a big decision for the team come next week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So last season, I think you'll agree that we were both quite critical of Robert Salah towards the end of last season. Even going as far as suggesting that his tenure was living on borrowed time. And we were bad last season, so that, that does explain why we had that opinion. Do you think that the first two games of this season has vindicated Shanahan's decision to stick with him? Yeah, I've been impressed with him. Um, I said, well, you just said, yeah, we, we did call him out a few times last season and he's pretty much had a um, his, his game plan and, and he's stuck with it. And I think it was kind of clear last season that the players weren't or weren't anywhere near as good as what they needed to be but he's kind of said no this is my system I'm going to stick with it um we've gone out this off season we've added a pass rush and everything has been upgraded um everything that he's done we've matched up really really well against the Bengals we've um forced Jameis into countless mistakes in week one it's been really really impressive I think we're what, in the top 10 for total yards, rushing yards and points allowed and everything at the minute. So Yeah, we are. And people will probably say, yeah, but it was only the Bucks, yeah, but it was only the Bengals. Well, they're still they're still two and oh against NF you know, in the NFL is bloody good. And compared to where we've have come from, it's it's amazing, really, when you think about it. And you, you also now see what you saw on Sunday in Cincinnati where you've got teams using hurry-up offense in the first and second quarter to try and stop him getting his guys out there who are rushing the passer and rotating his D-line because he's causing them so many problems. Now, last year, we didn't have anyone to, to go in and do that. So it just shows how much how fearful offenses are of, his, of this D-line now and the defense that he's running that, you know, they're playing more worried about what we're going to do than playing their own game. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I found, what what has stood out for me in the last two games, and it's it's going to sound daft because it's not football related. But every time the camera is panned over to Salah in the first two games, he's smiling. He's got a yeah. big smile on his face. Yeah, which often last season he didn't because it wasn't going his way. I think he was frustrated that he didn't have the personnel that could actually execute the schemes that he was putting in. Yeah. But this, this season, every time you've seen him, big, big cheesy smile. And yeah. I think that there tells you he's got lots of confidence in the personnel he's got, the fact that they can execute the scheme. And even some of the guys that are second and third string who can come in and uh, fill the slots. I think he's got plenty of choice there to mm. continually rotate, as you say. And I think it's looking good. I think Shanahan has definitely been vindicated, sticking by him. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how our defence performs for the rest of the season, especially up against some of the um, better offensive teams, the likes of the Rams. We've got the Saints in December. Mm. But those two games in particular, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, and you think that Bengals offensive coordinator in week one gave Andy Dalton was it his highest um, yardage in his career? Yeah. In Seattle, and Robert Salah just shut him down completely, and that was just a week previous. And the only what the only real big play was in garbage time in the fourth quarter, which was a sixty-six yarder against essentially our backups. Yeah, you take that off the board, it's you know, it's it's even better. So. Before we move on to predictions for the game, have you got anything else you want to discuss about either the defence or the offence about how we should win this game? Or go about um, winning this game? No, I think the only thing that I didn't get to was the draft, really. Um, Do you want to cover that off now? Yeah, go on then. Um, I think, well, Bosa was a lock at number two, wasn't he? Yeah. That was a tap-in. Um, and he's looked absolutely fantastic. Um Ten quarterback hurries, I think, in two weeks. He's he's outperforming all the guys taken around him, Quillen Williams, Clellan Farrell, Josh Allen, all of that. Different player, different ball game, different ballpark. Just fantastic. Again, it's just the injuries that are concerned with him there. If he can stay fit, he's going to be an absolute monster. Um, Debo, we've pretty much covered. Um, Heard. Now I thought this was a real surprise pick in the third round. Yeah. I wasn't expecting a second wide receiver. Um did 
strike me, well, round three and round four did strike me as a bit of a luxury pick, sort of a yeah, part of the draft. I would agree with he that. Kind of, yeah, he kind of reminds, Heard reminds me of someone that the Patriots would draft on the back of winning another Super Bowl and he'd be bloody brilliant, you know. Yeah. That said, he should, or he could be an excellent addition for us. I mean, he's he's not really a wide receiver, a running back or a tight end. He's, he's essentially an offensive weapon, isn't he? If that is even a term. Yeah, well, I don't know I what we're going to do with yeah. him. He, he's probably going to be a wide receiver, but he's the kind of guy you can line him up at tight end. He's the kind of guy. Well, he was a running back, wasn't he, in, in his uh, latter stage of his uh, college career? So, yeah, big surprise, but really, really exciting player from what I've seen on YouTube. And I'm not going to profess to be any kind of expert on on that because I haven't got time to watch college football anymore. Um, and then a punter in round four. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a luxury pick. What can I say? So, a punter in round four, this was my reaction. <laughs> that was my reaction. I could not believe it. But then, like you said about um, Heard, when I saw the video of him, I thought, Jesus, this guy is fantastic for a punter. Yeah. And then that hit he laid down in um, pre-season, absolutely excellent. Oh, that was amazing. I, I still um, think it's too high to draft a punter, but yeah, I think I do. he looks really I good. Do. Yeah, I know the Patriots took one in round five, the lad from Stanford, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but they've just won the Super Bowl, so they can essentially do what the hell they want. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't think there's any doubt in that the guy can be a real um, a weapon. Is a weapon the right word for us? Um, yeah, I think a weapon can is certainly the right fit word. the field on his head, can't he? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember where we were playing. I was uh, We were away from home somewhere, and I wasn't following the draft. And I remember looking at my phone thinking... A punter? A punter? <laughs> what yeah. are we doing? <laughs> but I'd have probably been content with that if we'd have taken him in round six? Yeah. Seven? Seven, maybe? Yeah, six at a push. Yeah, I mean, round four, I thought that was going to be a, uh, a cornerback or a safety or possibly some O-line help or even another defensive end, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a big surprise. Um, Dre Greenlaw looks okay so far. Yeah, fifth round pick and um, early days and I think you start to get into that stage now where you probably shouldn't really review in the aftermath or this early but really we should probably go back to say the 2016 draft and do a, a post post apocalyptic sort of 2016 uh, review of the draft um, but I think at the minute the arrow seems to be pointing up for, for everybody just in school as we've already sort of said at, at that point of the draft in the sixth round you're, you're looking for bodies who can come in and push the guys in camp uh, you're possibly looking at future needs um sort of anyone who can who can make the practice squad or even the roster there and sort of boom week three here we are um you know welcome to the nfl you're, you're starting at left tackle up against the six-time super bowl champion pittsburgh steelers who yes you know by any stretch aren't the same team that they were last season or in the recent future because you know a they don't have their sort of uh potential Hall of Fame quarterback. B, they don't have their holdout star wide receiver, uh, star running back. And C, they don't have their all pro uh, wide receiver who's completely gone off the rails and gone nuts. Yeah. Accounts. Yeah. Um, I caught up with Hard Knocks last, uh, when was that? Last last weekend sometime, I think that was. I sat, sat down and watched, pretty much uh, binge watched it back to back and thought that was quite funny just watching that sort of uh, snowball and snowball on uh, on that. That was uh, couldn't happen to a nicer team, could it? Other than maybe yeah, Seattle. Makes you, <laughs> makes you feel pleased that we didn't pick them up. Yes, truth, yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously from you know going back to school and, and sort of trying to tie back into uh, week three, it's uh, you know I've listened to a little bit of KMBR and ninety five point seven the game this week, and it seems that. You know, there aren't any plans to move McGlinchey over um, and the team is showing enough confidence in school that, like I say, he does get the, you know, he gets to do to do the job and, and this is his sort of shot window opportunity to uh, go out and potentially earn uh, the future starting role at either right tackle or left tackle. I, th I think the long-term plan is probably that McGlinchey does move over to left tackle. But I think the 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 reason and I think that you you just make the one change at left tackle is because then your right side of your line is is still strong and yeah. it's still a strength of your team 
and you're not weakening both ends of the line by potentially make you know putting McGlinchey on the left side, which is a whole new thing to him in the NFL, not to him personally, but in the NFL, it's a whole new game, and then potentially putting school on the right side and him potentially having a meltdown on and then you're screwed on both sides of the line then aren't you potentially I mean I'd like to think that I've got enough confidence in McGlinchey that it wouldn't happen but I think just by having the one position uh, as not as a, a, a position of strength rather than two positions as not a position of strength makes more sense yeah yeah I agree with the way they've done that and the explanation for why they are doing that. Yeah, I think that that's, that's common sense, really, isn't it? Yeah. Right then, prediction time. So in the first two weeks, I didn't bother with any of the stats, any of the um, the, the betting figures around it, with it being the first two games. But now we're on to the third game. I've brought up the uh, the stats from the betting. The 49ers are seven-plus point favourites, and we've got an over-under of 44. I will say, well, we're going to win. Yeah. I think we will cover the spread comfortably. Uh but I think the over under will be slightly under. I'm going to say similar kind of vein to the last couple of weeks, uh 30 points to 10. 30 points to 10. So yeah, just under. Okay, so I'm going to be a little bit optimistic this time. So I've tried to rein it in a bit over the last two weeks. <laughs> but this time, looking at the stats for the Steelers so far, the first two games, looking at our stats, we're at home. Even though we've lost our, first, our start and left tackle, I'm going to go for a, quite, a, quite a large score. And I'm going to say 49-13. Yeah. Whenever I next see you, if we score 49 points tomorrow, I'll buy you a pint. Champion, I'll hold you to that because I'm a tight northerner. <laughs> I will definitely hold you to that. But yeah, 14, 49-13, I'm, I'm going for a huge win. If we score 49 points, in fact, I'll make it, I'll stuff it, I'll, I'll buy you two or three points. The first couple of rounds are on me if we score 49 points Sunday night. Fantastic. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to find uh, Carl Shanahan's phone number now. Anything to say. So, so uh, yeah, I will buy you at least at least the first three rounds, I think, if, if we score forty nine points Sunday night. Chatman. Got something <laughs> got something to look forward to. <laughs> right. Predictions for the season. Win loss column. Well, um I think in the group at the start of the year, I think we said um or well, I said that I'd be happy eight and eight, nine and seven. That was kind of like my minimum expectation really for this year. Uh, and I think if we win this one, then we possibly need to reevaluate slightly. Nine and seven, possibly the minimum. Ten, dare I say, ten and six. It's it's possible looking at how our division rivals are playing at the moment, especially yeah. the Seahawks. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as what people make them out to be. They're not, but I'd like to think that we can probably do them at home at least. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the schedule plays into our favour early. The run-in, as we said just now, is really tough. So, I don't know, would it be disappointing to go sort of six and eight from here, at, at, you know, at two and oh? If, if you go three and oh, I think you've got to really be looking at, you know, you've still got seven home games after that. Yeah. So, you, you've got to really be looking at nine and seven as the minimum now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I've already re-evaluated mine because I went eight and eight, and I'm, yeah. I'm I'm thinking eight and eight, ten and six, probably nine and seven would be safe. Yeah, I think nine and seven at the moment, and I think it'll change as the season goes on. I think it all depends on what the but once we get the halfway mark, you can probably take an educated guess of how we're going to finish. Yeah. Then half the season's over, so it's easy. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not exactly a bold prediction, that. But, uh, yeah, 8 and 8 I'll start off with, and I'm feeling more like 9 and 7, 10 and 6. Yeah, and yeah, you've got a couple of teams on the schedule now who are having their own quarterback problems. I know Brees is probably going to be back for when we play them, but, you know, 
Um, Cam Newton's out injured this week as well. Is there any long-term effects there? You know, that, that could potentially play into our hands in, in our home game against Carolina. So there's, there's sort of a few things that are slowly pointing and, and tipping the scales in our favour at the minute. So again, it, it's uh, just trying not to get too carried away and, uh, you know, maybe when we're 3-0 and or 4-0, and then, uh, then we can start really getting excited. But yeah say that that the schedule sort of looms long into the distance then and you know you, you've got that kind of murderous row of teams coming up at the end of the season so it's uh you, you start racking up wins and nose then you, you get all sorts of all sorts of carried away <laughs> yeah yeah so i think start this getting is the brasso be, out start getting the, the brasso <laughs> <laughs> There's a, I think there's a lot of our American uh, listeners probably don't know what Brasso, Brasso is. Um, it, it's what you clean trophies with, Brasso. Right, so I think this will be the last week I ask for bold predictions because we are moving through the season so it becomes easier. Um, but I'll ask you for a bold prediction on both offence and defence. It can either be a player or it could be a team-based bold prediction. Uh, can I say school doesn't give up a sack? Is that a bold prediction for a six-round rookie starting at left tackle in his debut in the NFL? Is that bold enough? Um, yeah, I think that is bold enough. Can I can I guess? Can I say that offensively, yeah, defensively? That. So that's a bold prediction for the game. I was thinking more along the lines of bold, bold predictions for the season, like the one that oh, we made bold for, predictions last for the year. season. Well, yeah. if if I'm going down to Asda to buy the Brasso, that's a bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> and that well, ain't going to be just for an NFC championship yeah sort of that would be a bold prediction yeah that would be bold and that would be really really bold are, are you making that prediction mm. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I really mm. want to I really really want to but I don't know if I can I've got sweaty palms just thinking about it. It's been so long. Well, just think of the just think of the kudos you'll get if we do win. (laughs) Brian's Brasso. This this podcast is sponsored by Brasso. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stuff it! Why not? Yeah, (laughs) that's it. That's the bold prediction. Super Bowl winners. Fantastic. (laughs) Right? Do you want to give a bold prediction on defense? Uh. I'm going to say at least two and a half sacks for Bosa and another pick six. Who's going to have the pick six? Oh, God. Now you're really, really bringing I'm it in. It. With yeah, a I'm pushing it. With another a one for Witherspoon. All right. I'm kind of hoping it's going to be Sherman because I've got him for five interceptions on the year as my ball prediction. Yeah, well, I don't know if... I, th- I think uh, the Steelers are wise enough to not try and test Sherman with a... Ah, oh, well, you see, I mean, Witherspoon's played so good over the first two games. At some point, they're going to have to throw it in Sherman's direction. Yeah, yeah, they will throw in his direction, but I think it's going to be minimal. I think you're essentially going to see a dink and dunk offense and not not too much uh, um, testing deep downfield. And I think possibly plays itself more more for a, a linebacker to possibly take one back. But yeah, I'll, I'll stick with yeah. Witherspoon. I said it now. I don't want to change because it might happen. <laughs> right, fantastic. Right, thank you, Brian. It's been great having you back uh, oh, co-hosting the show. I missed it. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm finding it difficult to get in touch with people and uh, bring people on, but um, hopefully there's a lot more people wanting to join now, now that we've yeah. had three, four different people on at the start of the season. So that's good. I think it keeps it fresh as well. Um, it does. Some, I mean, it was hard work, wasn't it, last season at times doing the podcast. It's like, whew, what, what Yeah, what it's can't be hard work when you play so <laughs> badly. Yeah. And it's the same mistakes week in, week out. So, yeah, yeah it does like get it, uh, tiresome. I just played the same podcast over and over at times last season, I think. But, yeah, that's no, good. And the guys that have been on have been really good. I've listened to it. Um listen to them back it's been really good and good to get different opinions out there I mean people probably get bored of us talking about the same things over and over again so it's been quite nice to actually have a bit more of a catch up on this one and go over a number of things rather than just sort of uh, trying to break down a game or try and uh, look forward to a game so it's, it's been good it, yeah. it probably should have done more over the summer but like I say it's just been so busy one thing or another and work and whatever it's uh, yeah, just you and me both. Relaxed, really. yeah definitely right so 
once again, thank you to everyone that listens to the podcast. It, it is definitely you that makes this worthwhile. Please remember to rate us on iTunes and to subscribe not only to the podcast, but also to the YouTube channel, which you can find by searching for 49 Faithful UK. We have a meetup arranged in Edinburgh on the 8th of December for the Saints game, which we still require some assistance in finding a venue. I've tried Belushi's, which is a sports bar that shows NFL games, but they cannot guarantee they can show a game pass game. So we need to find somewhere that does, just in case the game isn't on Sky. Um, there's a good chance that if the Saints and 49ers are both pushing for the playoffs in December, I reckon that game will probably be on Sky. because it, it, it's At the moment, it looks as though that'll be an exciting game. We also have the Super Bowl meetup in Newcastle at Grosvenor Casino. It was a great night had by all this year, and we expect the same again for Super Bowl 54. If you would like to appear on the show, please drop me a PM on Facebook, and we will sort out a slot for you. You don't need to be an expert, as clearly demonstrated by both Brian and myself. <laughs> you just need a passion for talking about 49er football. And an account on Skype would, uh, would do you as well. So last but not least... Enjoy the weekend and the Steelers game and go Niners. Uh, have you got a breaking news jingle? A breaking news jingle? Yeah. Gives us things. Let's think. Breaking news jingle. Do I have one of those? I could do that. Not quite a breaking news jingle, but it's the closest I can No, get. it wasn't quite the ESPN uh, ones. Uh, we've signed tackle Sam Young and right. wide receiver Trent Taylor has gone on injured reserve. Uh, young six foot eight was originally drafted by the Cowboys in the sixth round of the 2010 draft. Throughout his nine-year NFL career, he's appeared in 88 games, 21 starts with the Cowboys, uh, Buffalo Bills for two years, Jags for two years, Dolphins for two years. That's not much of a resume. <laughs> in 2018, he appeared in 12 games, one start with Miami. Young signed with the 49ers as a free agent on August 12, 2019, and was released by the team on August 30th. Uh, 32-year-old native of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, young attended the University of Notre Dame for 2006-2009, where he started all 50 games in which he appeared. Uh, Taylor, 5'8", 180 pounds, was drafted by the 49ers in the fifth round. 2017 draft has appeared in 29 games, one start, and registered 69 receptions, 645 yards and three touchdowns. That sounded like the small print on the bottom of one of those American uh, adverts for Viagra or something, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, that's literally just come through on my phone whilst I looked at it while you were doing your wrap up there. So yeah, da-da-da, pretty good. News. Right, so it's, in, it's interesting about Sam Young. I think he'll be in there for death and they'll use school. But uh, Trent Taylor's a little bit disappointing. Oh, I was hoping to see yeah. him break back into the side because he was one of Jimmy's favourite targets during those first five games um, back in 2017. So that's a little bit disappointing because I do rate Trent Taylor and yeah. I'd like to see him do well for us. Yeah, definitely. Right, thank you for that breaking news. No and worries. once again, enjoy the weekend, guys. Enjoy the weekend, Brian. And go Niners. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, we're all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.